Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. Zim, say what's up. What's going on? Hello, world. How's everybody doing this evening? We have a very, very special guest with us tonight. My man, Charlie Campbell, who is the senior analyst on WalterFootball.com, my go-to site for anything college football related, just getting hip to all the new players that are coming out. Charlie, introduce yourself. Talk to the people. Tell them how you're doing tonight. I'm doing great. So uh, happy to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. I've uh, I'm been a draft writer and analyst at Walter Football for almost 10 years now. I was a beat writer covering the Bucks uh, for three and a half years before that. Uh, and before that, I worked with an NFL agent. So uh, I've seen the seen the NFL world from a few different angles and just very blessed and grateful to be a part of it. So before you before you get started, this is a Bengals podcast. You covered the Bucks. How do you feel about them winning the Super Bowl? Well, I'm happy for uh, some of the employees that I know there. There aren't that many left from uh, back when I was there in the late 2000s, and uh, I stopped covering them uh, as a beat writer in 2011. But there are some scouts there that I know that have been there this whole time, and went through the, the longest drought in the NFC of not making the playoffs. And then this year they get in and uh, get a Super Bowl. So I'm really happy for those guys who've uh, stuck it out through some, some of the bad years, but, uh, and happy for the city. I just wish it could have been a normal year where their fans could have been going to all the games and enjoyed kind of the, the buildup of the wins stacking up and all that. That's the only kind of downside. But otherwise, it's I'm happy for the Bucks fans and the and the players and the workers there at the team. Definitely, definitely. Right. Um, part of what you were saying, I didn't notice, though, uh, but your work when you were working with players and as an agent, what was your role with that? And, like, tell me how does that relate to what you're doing right now? Well, the agent that I worked for uh, was primarily doing coaches and broadcasters. But some of the coaches he had were Greg Schiano. Um, he did Urban Meyer's deal with Florida, um, the very first one going from Utah to Florida. Uh, he had Mike Singletary um, when he was, I think he was a deep coordinator at that time. Was, uh, and um so he had some some you know good quality clients there, and some other uh, Dan Hawkins, who's a head coach at Colorado back then, and uh, so he had some good clients. But it was interesting to overhear the negotiations with the school. Uh, Dave Wanstead was another one uh, with Pitt then, and uh, even after the interesting thing that I never really thought of was even after they kind of agree in principle and there's a press conference that happens and all that, there was still haggling going on between kind of the details of the contract between, uh, the university and the agent, it got pretty contentious over some things, uh, even though he had already done the press conference and was working and all of that, it kind of surprised me that, that that hadn't been you know settled up beforehand um but uh yeah it was interesting to hear 
those conversations and to hear some of the coaches be kind of candid about their thoughts on the university and the situation they were going into. That's dope. That's dope. So obviously like with you being a draft expert, you guys always have GMs and stuff that you talk to. And obviously you've been one of the most accurate mock drafters. If, if people don't know, you've won in 2017, 2019. Um, so getting into it, like, are the Bengals a team for you where it's kind of hard to guess what they're going to do? Or do you kind of confidently know from year to year how this team is going to draft? Well, you know, they, we, let's see. I, I, I remember having John Ross to them. Um, I think uh, I went with Frank Reg now uh, to them when he went right before. And I think he probably would have been their pick if he had gotten there then. Um, but uh, oh, don't remind yeah. us, don't remind us, Charlie. That's a heartbreaker <laughs> right there. <laughs> uh, but I definitely think uh, they're a team that uh, some of the Cincinnati media does a good job covering them, but also they are a unique team because ownership is so involved in the process and who they end up taking and everything else. They uh, are a little bit different than the other teams. They don't have as large a scouting staff as some other teams have. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, uh, you know, they they had some really good drafts in the Marvin Lewis years and uh, landed some really talented players after the first round. So, uh, you know, it's it takes time. You see you have cores of teams age out and free agency hits you and different things. And now you got to start up and build a new core. So uh, I think after the draft they had last year, I'm pretty optimistic that Cincinnati is going to get rolling here. And, and, And that brings me to my next question, I guess, is on your latest mock, uh, I think it's like the perfect scenario. Just telling you from a Bengals fan, it's like having Panay Sewell fall right there to number five in a dream world. Or, or what I think is is somewhat realistic. I do. Um, if it didn't go that way, because just to just to go over your latest mock um, with Walter Fo- Football, and if you guys are late coming on here, we're, we're Charlie Campbell, and you can follow him at Twitter at Draft Campbell. Um, but on your latest mock, you got number one, of course, Trevor Lawrence. Number two, you got Zach Wilson. Number three, you had Jamar Chase, who is a guy that a lot of Bengals fans are really, really feeling right now, too. Number four is what I'm hoping that the Falcons do, and that's the biggest one. If We, we don't know the dominoes that are going to fall, but if they go Fields at number four, I think it opens it up wide open, and it's a no-brainer for Sewell. But say Sewell's off the board and they don't go Fields, what's your play if you're the Bengals round one? Well, I think that Sewell would be plan A, and I think maybe Jamar Chase would be plan B. Uh, and then maybe plan C would be Kyle Pitts. I know that tight end isn't as, you know, critical of an issue as, say, uh, offensive line or maybe even defensive line. But when you're picking in the top five, you want to get value. You want to reach just out of position because then you end up with a less talented team compared to who you're playing against week in and week out. So, Uh, you want to get good value. And when you're picking in the top five, you want a special player, a rare prospect, a guy that's going to be a real difference maker for you. This guy should be a 10-year 
uh, solution to an important issue on one side of the ball. So with that in mind, I think obviously Sewell, you get a, a franchise left tackle to protect Joe Burrow. Makes complete sense. If he's gone, Chase could come in, be you know a really dynamic receiver, reuniting him with Burrow. Uh, obviously, T. Higgins, I think, is going to have a really good NFL career. I liked what he did as a rookie. It's not easy going from college to NFL at the receiver position. I think he uh, handled the transition better than I would have expected. So uh, well done there. And then I think Tyler Boyd is a solid pro, but you can never go wrong with giving your franchise quarterback a potential number one receiver. And I think Pitts also kind of fits that mold. I've spoken to some teams that believe he can move outside and play receiver. Uh, I talked with people at Florida and they said, absolutely. He runs well enough to play receiver and he is kind of a positionless player. And some teams have him as the second highest graded player in this draft class. So wow. if, you're, if you're getting Pitts as a mismatch weapon that you play sometimes at tight end, some sets he's at receiver, but when he's such a dynamic mismatch problem against corners, safeties, uh, linebackers have no prayer. Uh, I mean, <laughs> exactly. it's, just, it, it's just such a ch- game-changing talent that you're adding to the roster. So uh, I think that they're in a great spot. One of those three guys I think is going to be there. Uh, so I think Cincinnati is going to get a really nice value for that pick at five. I, I thought I thought you made some really good points there because the one thing that I wanted you I wanted to really really focus on is that there are a lot of Bengals fans that watch Joe Burrow just tear his ACL. There's a lot of fans that, uh, including myself, I can't speak for Ace, but a lot of fans that are just so tired of this abysmal offensive line, and they don't care what it takes. And for me. I think they need to address it a lot in free agency. So by the time they get to the draft, you're not looking at the second best offensive lineman and saying, I got to get this guy. And I think that's very important to what you just spoke on. It's like, go get a guy that's super, super rare. You're picking in the top five. And can you speak to, I guess, maybe things that you observe from teams that have maybe, it's hard to reach at five, but, that's the dilemma that I think a lot of fans are. They just they can't get past the fact that no, we need offensive. I think line. I think what Zen wants to say is is Rashawn Slater a reach at five? See, and that depends on where you evaluate him and his future position. If you think he can be a really good left tackle, then he wouldn't be a reach. But if you don't think he's a left tackle, uh, you think he's a guard or center, then he would be a reach at five. I personally would be a little leery of that because of the 6-3, the lack of length on the edge. Uh, when I watched the tape, that was something that stood out to me. And every week I was talking to a scout a few days ago, and he said – he was talking about uh, uh, Texas A&M tackle Dan Moore, uh, who's a mid-round guy. But uh, he was saying, you know, some of these Big 12 tackles, they go like – two years and they only see one NFL edge defender. So, uh, you know, and I think that's some of the case with Slater as well, but the problem I think you see with Slater is just the arm length, the size, can he hold up on the edge in the NFL? But I completely agree with you, Zim, that I think free agency, you solve some of the issues there. So you're not boxed into a hole in the draft. So you aren't 
painted into the corner where you have to get something, you know. So if they sign uh, some interior guys at guard, that gives them more flexibility. If they add a veteran tackle, that gives them flexibility, uh, you know, receiver depth, defensive line help. It just lets them just take the best player available beyond the first round when they get to that high second round pick and third round pick they don't have to press the issue because they have to find a starter for a certain spot, you know? So uh, I think that's a really wise strategy that you outlined there, Zim. And I think, you know, I do, I've spoken with teams and they agree that, you know, you don't want to kind of put yourself in a bad position for the draft where you have to go a certain direction. Cause you never know what could happen. You know, a couple trades could happen in the top ahead of them. And then like, three quarterbacks go or something like that. And now you have, you know, Sewell and Pitts there. So, uh, you know, like, and now, now you have a really good decision and a problem in the decision to make because you have two great players there and you expected one of them maybe to be gone. So uh, if you have your needs filled out and free agency to a reasonable extent, that you can just take the guy that you think's the better football player and gonna, you know, have a better career and who you graded higher on your board. So one question I want to ask you, Charlie, if there were five prospects, obviously you named Panay, Jamar Chase, and and Pitts, right? What are two other prospects, I guess, that you would consider there? Would there be any defensive prospects there, like defensive line, corner? Who would those, I guess, five prospects be? At number well, five. <laughs> yeah, I think at five, the defensive players don't blow you away as far as being as dynamic as those guys are, as Sewell and Pitts and Chase. Um, they're so, they're good players. Uh, Sertan from Alabama is going to be a good NFL corner. I think he has some limitations in terms of you might not want to put him up against a Will Fuller or Robbie Anderson type speed receiver in the, in the league. You'd prefer him going up against the bigger wideouts. Uh, Micah Parsons, I was really coming on at Penn State, but now he has a year where he sat out and some teams have some minor character concerns with him. So uh, that is something that they'll dig into more. Um, and that's something you have to consider in five because you don't want to, uh, you want to safe there at that point. You know, you don't want to blow a top five pick. Um, so you have that consideration. And then as far as the defensive linemen, I don't see one that's really worthy of going that high. I think right. there's uh, no Quinn and Williams this year, right? There's, I think that would be a reach. There's no Quinn and Williams. There's no, uh, Bradley Chubb or one of the Bosa's, you know, there's just, yeah, exactly. There's not a player like that in this year's draft and you don't want to reach and end up you know, taking a guy like that, and then, uh, you know, it pushes other more talented players lower that you're going to end up playing against. So uh, definitely, I, I think that the defensive side might be more of a consideration if you trade down. If, say, you get a great deal, someone blows you away with a deal for one of these quarterbacks, you know, say it's San Francisco or New England or Carolina or someone like that moving up and you do move down, then I think you could consider some of the defensive linemen. Uh, and you could give more consideration to Sertan and Parsons and those guys. 
Okay. Let, let me ask you this, too, because the next part of the mock. Now, I love Panay in your, in your latest mock, right? Your next two rounds, they aren't my favorite, right? <laughs> and All so, right, that's cool. <laughs> and, and I think that's awesome, right? <laughs> but uh, tell me, uh, some people in the chat have even thrown out guys like Leatherwood, because like I said, our fan base is really, really enamored with the offensive line play, right? And, and even myself, I'm looking more so, I find myself, looking at guys like Wyatt Davis, uh, Cosme. Do you think guys like that will fall to the second? And then also, can you talk to can you talk to us about your picks for round two? If you remember, I can pull it up if you need to. But your yeah, round, uh, your round two, two and your round three taking Joseph Osai, the edge rusher from Texas. I hear you, Zim. I some of these options uh, in on day two on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, aren't as uh, you they're know, not sexy. But, but, yeah, but they're not sexy. They're you not got a hard sexy. job though. You got thirty something teams. Like we're just looking at one team. So don't like don't make me. I don't want you to feel oh, like. No, what do you no, think? I, like you know what I'm saying? No, no. I appreciate. It. I I agree with you. But I do think there could really land a nice offensive tackle prospect potentially in the second round. And even if there is a run, the pro the cost to move up six spots or seven or eight spots back into the first round isn't that, uh, you know, ridiculous. And on top of it, you get the fifth-year option on the contract that you wouldn't have on a second-round pick. So I think that if you see a run on offense, like say they take Pitts or Jamar Chase with the fifth pick, I think they could be in a really good position to land offensive line help in the second round or – move up a little bit to get a guy in case there is a run. But I agree with you guys that there is value there. I think Leatherwood would be an excellent value in the second round. Uh, he played hard. He played left tackle, really came on as a senior in terms of getting more physical in the ground game. I know in talking with scouts, that was the criticism of him, but they thought he's big, he's quick, he's athletic, uh, really good pass protector, so with Joe Burrow, you know, if you get Leatherwood in the second round, at least you know, okay, we need to work with him as a run blocker. Like any second round player, they're going to have some issues you need to develop, but we're getting a really good pass protector for our quarterback, which we, you know, have to get. And you can move John Williams around, and now you just upgraded your line at two spots, you know, potentially. Um, and hopefully you sign a guy or two in free agency as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there could be really excellent value there. Wyatt Davis on the inside, Trey Smith uh, guard on the inside. Uh, like you said, Cosme from Texas would be a really nice value for them that that part of the draft. Um, I think even Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame, not the sexiest of offensive linemen, but a steady, safe kind of guy. Do you think that's far fetched? Though, do you think that's far fetched though for uh, for us Bengals fans to think that a Cosme, a Leatherwood, or any a Wyatt Davis will be there in a second? No, I don't think so because there's there's really depth there at that spot. So uh, you know, Darisaw, I know some teams that have him in the second round, uh, graded in the second round. So uh, you know, them, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. There's a lot of guys there, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. So there's an abundance of guys that are in that late uh, first to mid-second round range that there's just not enough teams to take them all. So I think 
they're going to have some good options in the offensive line. That's one of the great values of this draft, in my opinion, is offensive line prospects in the back half of the first to into the second round there. So uh, that's a nice sweet spot for them. So if they do get pits or chase and in the first pick and you kind of look at them as a pair and then you come away with a, a tackle, that could be a really nice draft class, especially, you know, you move up if you have to, uh, but that would be a really nice draft class for Cincinnati. One last thing I want to ask you, Charlie, is we've all talked about wide receiver. I would I would say the majority of Bengals fans want Jamar Chase, but there are some that kind of look at the Jalen Waddles and the Devontae Smiths. Who would you say out of those three are the best and, you know, why they would be the best fit for the Bengals? You know, I really I, – it's hard not to like any of them. I have Chase as the top one because – he has more of an NFL body just in terms of he's bigger, thicker. Uh, scouts who have seen him in person have told me he's uh, got a build kind of like Amari Cooper, but better. Uh, they think he could be a better version of Amari Cooper in the NFL. And um, I think in Waddle, I had scouts say that he reminds them of Tyreek Hill. Uh, and Ty, I said, you know, Waddle obviously is explosive uh, home run hitter but a little off as a route runner around the edges. And they said, well, Tyreek was the same way coming out. And, uh, but he, there's no, there's nothing you can do about that speed. So uh, I think you have a great option there. If you trade down, I think Devonte Smith, uh, you know, people have made the uh, Marv Harrison comparison and I, I can see why there's the style of play is really similar. I think Devonte is still a little bit thinner than Harrison was, but if he's similar to Harrison or Antonio Brown, uh, you can't go wrong with that. You yeah, know, you so, noted how you noted how durable he was. I watched your last exactly. model. You talked about it too, and that's another thing I tell people. But he's so small; he's one seventy, and then you kind of killed that a little bit and say, "Well, he was super durable." Right, exactly. He didn't miss games at Alabama. So I think you see, when you see him, he's kind of got a slipperiness to him where he just kind of avoids that big hit. In a way like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback, you know, he's just so elusive and quick twitch that you don't see guys square him up so cleanly all the time, you know. Uh, but that is the case with Devontae. He's such a smooth receiver that uh, he's kind of able to dodge those big hits and uh, just kind of uh, get down when he has to. And uh, he's so smart. He's just such a natural football player and such a killer out there. Uh, I think really those, you can't go wrong with any of those three or pits. Uh, so if they traded down, I think Devontae Smith uh, or Jalen Waddle would be great picks as well. Right. Thank you very much, uh, Charlie. I encourage everyone because – if we had more time, we'd go into all these different rounds. But I'll tell you what. Well, we'll everyone do it again is, soon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we have to. And what I want to encourage everybody is to go to Walter Football. Please make sure you also go on YouTube and watch Charlie. Like, he put – when's your next mock coming out? Because I know you're in, like, your third or – Yeah, I have a mock coming out on Monday. And okay. uh, a video for YouTube will go up for it on Tuesday. So – uh, that's kind of the schedule I have every week going up to the draft and then draft week. I update it every day. Uh, right. So, and it'll be seven rounds at that point. 
So uh, that's a monster for all the all the. I can't he's even used to it now. I can't he's imagine a the game. That's a lot of he's work. He's a vet in the game though. Ten years, he's been doing it for a right. while. But I, I guys, really appreciate. Please, you. Yeah, we truly oh, appreciate you, you, Charlie. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to the Watcher Football uh, YouTube channel. Also, there's a link in the description uh, directly to Charlie's Twitter page and his mods. So please be sure to check those out. Thank you guys for having me. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Let me know anytime. Yeah, we got to sure, do it. Man. We get closer to the draft, we're going to update this. But once we get past free agency, we got to get you back on here. And let's, let's, Absolutely. Let's get I'm a ready. deep dive into those, those later rounds. Yeah, yes, let's sir. do it. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, guys. Take care, Ace. Take care, Zim. So that was Charlie Campbell, um, Walter Football. Any closing thoughts that you have, Ace? I, I really, really appreciate that I'm, site because for a guy like me, right. like I really lean on a website like Walter Football to give guide me. Like sometimes I see guys and I'm like, I don't know what round they'll go, but they have a good one, good two, game. three days projected. And they're all, and they're usually on point. And then from there, I then go and start watching highlights and different guys. And then, I, and if I can't watch some games, I can go watch some games. But I usually start with Walter football. So yeah, that, Walter I, that football really for me, like since like 06, like their site is still the same. It still looks the same. They've added new dimensions to it, and it's just like gives that, me that I, OG. Yeah, I, I just get that OG vibe. I love that they haven't like updated it and stuff like that. It's almost kind of like. The OG datpiff.com back in the day. Like, I love watching football, but it was it was great having Charlie on. And I remembered there being some kind of connection to the Bucks. So that's why I kind of asked him. I never knew that he actually worked for them, but I remember reading like his insight on certain picks. But I just loved the information that he gave on like the top three. Cause in my mind, those were like my three. Like when you talk about Panay, Chase, and Pitts, like those are my three guys. And then I love the fact that he drove home. The point that this isn't the draft for us to jump and grab some kind of defender, like whether it's a corner, whether it's a D, like this isn't that draft. I also like that he shed the light on how how deep this offensive line class is. So there is a potential for us to potentially get like a guard or something in free agency. I thought that was very important. Take a skill player, like you said, whether it's whether it's Chase Pitts. Uh, whoever it is, and then come back in the second round and get it. I also love that he finally like was saying because a lot of people feel like Pitts is a reach. I I haven't felt like that. Like from his talent, just his talent and stuff like that. Like he's saying, when you pick a top five pick, it's gotta be it's gotta be one of those guys on the level of a Panay, Chase, or Pitts. I wanted to ask him like because there's been some doubt about Panay. Like Ooh. I've seen some draft analysts and stuff like that kind of doubt him. I wish I would have pressed him more on that, but maybe the closer the next time we uh, we get him, I'm sold on him. Like I did to cut the tape on. Oh. I didn't need to see anything else. This man I, was a and, football player. And, you, and I tell everybody this, you know, like I feel like I represent a big fan base that just like is kind of stubborn to the fact, like, nah, I just want, I want, you know, I want the playmakers and stuff like that. But Panay, I didn't, I didn't need like his high school highlights or anything or all that cool stuff to post. Like me watching a couple games and just saying like he's bigger, he's fast, and he's athletic, and he's something freakish that we just don't have. And the more and more I watch football, and I encourage everybody to watch other football other than the Bengals sometimes or get a chance to watch some highlights on anybody. Like big guys that can move are one of the things that really, really is something like I really, really fell in love with. So I appreciate Panay. I think he he's going to be an excellent bangle. I'm just going to speak that into existence because if Jamar isn't there, I, I, 
I mean, if to me, like he just laid it out, it's three guys. And I just don't think the Bengals will ever be sitting there in a position saying, oh, we can't draft Kyle Pitts because we just drafted Drew Sample. I think yeah, the fan base has to be patient with the tight end position because I think if Pitts was to go to like how Charlie had it mocked to like the Eagles or something like that, and they got a new system and everything's and, going and on. Think about that. They got Zach Ertz. They got the other Dallas Ertz, Ertz is gone. Ertz probably going. You're right, but 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 I feel like I feel like the way if there's certain teams that Kyle Pitts could go to, and he would just never come off the field. I think right. with the Bengals, there might be some some growing pains that I'm prepared for, but right. I just caution the fan base that just know that tight end is 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 one of the hardest positions to transition from college to NFL. So I'm pre- I'm mentally prepared for that, and I see the value in Pitts. And if you're listening to Charlie or you're listening to anyone that cares about football, I would just encourage you with a top five pick, get somebody that does something incredible. Nothing against Slater, but I think he'll be a fine pro. But to pick him at the number five pick just for the sake of saying offensive line, like, is, is, to, is to me is a reach. And that's hard to do at number five. And, and that, it's, that's it's what it's I came hard. It's also hard, like you said, like Slater. The thing for me is if we didn't already have Jonah Williams, who was a guy that had shorter arms, I would be like, yeah, sign me up for Slater. But, like, you're literally giving yourself a physical disadvantage at both ends of protecting Joe Burrow. Do you really want two guys with short arms protecting Joe Burrow? Me personally, no. Nope. Um, That's all I had for us tonight. I wanted to make sure that we just maximize our time with Charlie and then just got just a little brief, you know, moment to look at the draft. And um, we'll have a lot of fan input coming up soon. We got some really, really good interviews lined up for next week. So everybody stay tuned for that. Ace, did you have anything that you want to say to close this out? No, just make sure that you guys subscribe to my and Zim's YouTube channels. If you're not subscribed to him, let's get Zim to 1K. Uh, And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. So you can follow me on Twitter at New Stripe City. You can follow Zim at Zim Hude. Follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. And you can follow me at New Stripe City. And this has been... The Orange is the New Black Podcast. Appreciate that, Dark Fire. Appreciate it, Dark Fire. We'll, we'll, we'll let you get the last one in here. So $5 from Dark Fire. He says, we got to get Penay. That is facts. Thank you guys for listening to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports.